The word of the Lord comes to St. John of the Baptist in the desert, and he begins his public ministry, baptizing and calling for the repentance of sin as the main thrust of who John the Baptist is, as the forerunner, the voice crying out in the desert to make straight the way of the Lord, to repent that we may be ready to welcome the Lord and recognize Him. This also goes back to what we've seen from John the Baptist throughout Advent, that virtue of humility. I am not the Christ. I am not worthy to bend down and unfasten his sandals. I am not he, but he, is come, he exists before me. See, John the Baptist, although he was great, knew his limitations. That is ultimately what humility is. Humility is not think, belittling ourselves, putting ourselves down, beating ourselves up. Humility is simply the acknowledgement of reality, of truth, and it's fullness. Take someone that's a master chef as an example, and he goes, you know, I'm not really that good a, a cook. That's false humility. That's a form of pride. But if this, if this great chef says, yes, I am very good in the kitchen, but I can't bake a souffle to save my soul, that's honest. Humility and honesty go together, as is the virtue of knowing yourself. To grow in the spiritual life, we must be able to truly know ourselves and begin to see ourselves as God sees us. With all our imperfections, warts, moles, and ugliness, but also recognizing the gifts, the blessings, the great things he has done for us. That is part of humility. To get down on our knees as best we can and say, Lord, I am a sinner, have mercy on me. That is true humility. Why? It recognizes God is God and we are not. It recognizes we are sinners in need of his mercy. And it's a recognition of our utter, complete dependence upon him. That is the essence of humility and the spiritual life. You know, humility is not thinking less of ourselves. It's thinking of ourselves less. Of putting God first, of knowing our role, and knowing who He is, and knowing who we are, and acting in accordance with that. This is what John the Baptist is calling people to. It's what our Lord calls us to. It's why, like our Lord, he was so forceful against certain liars and hypocrites because dishonesty and pride are two sides of the same coin. The humble man speaks the truth. The arrogant man lies. So John the Baptist turns to the Pharisees and the scribes and says, You brood of vipers! Much like our Lord, you whitewashed tombs, you bleached sepulchers. 
He chastised him for being blind to reality. For putting them, for ultimately, when you get down to it, violating the first commandment. Putting themselves before God. Making themselves God. Why is this such an important thing? Because salvation belongs to those who acknowledge reality. To seeing as God sees. To doing as he commands. It does not belong to those who set themselves above God. Who think they know better than God. Who in their insolence, by their actions, their words, their deeds, proclaim that they are God. Be very, very careful of what you hear coming out of Rome, what you hear coming out of chanceries, what you hear coming out of some of these meetings on the, the synons on synon. <laughs> the synons, yes. It's absolutely absurd. It is putting, these people are placing themselves above God, above revelation, above the deposit of faith. What I wouldn't give to see John the Baptist walk into a meeting with Francis. <laughs> you whitewashed tomb. You bleached sepulchre. You who have are trying to destroy the church. You who said you would go down in history as the Pope who caused a schism. Well, for once he spoke something that was right. He is going to go down as the Pope of Cause Schism. Between the jailers of, of tradition and whatever that first document was, and the nonsense that came out yesterday further restricting to try to crush and eliminate the traditional sacraments, the traditional faith, the real Catholic faith. And when does he do this? On Saturday of Ember. A day that is set aside for fasting and prayer. And what are these days mostly fasting and prayer for? For priests. For holy priests, for seminarians. And he uses this day, the last of the ember days. On Our Lady's Day, Saturday, to try and crush the faith. This is the act of ultimate hubris, contrary to every single virtue, contrary to sanity, contrary to reality. As you know, the Pope is a, is a steward, not a master. Now, if you know the books, Lord of the Rings, not the movies that were slightly different. A real Pope was like Faramir. Gentle, but stern. Wise, kind, beloved. Look at folks like Leo XIII, Pope Pius X, any number of the great saints. And they show us that virtue of humility even when they're at the top of the hierarchy because they know they are not master, they are a servant. 
what we have now is Denethor, a bitter, angry, arrogant ruler who was quoted as saying, the rule of Gondor is mine and no others. Well, no, your job is to hold the fort till the king comes back. He tried to be greater than the king. And what ended up happening to him? He lost his mind and burnt himself alive like the pagans of old. Francis is following in the footsteps, metaphorically speaking, of Denethor. Pride will be his downfall. For you and me, we need to continue praying for these people in the hierarchy. Because we know that they will face judgment and be held accountable someday. And unless they follow the wisdom of John the Baptist and repent, they will be lost. Repentance and humility, two sides of the same coin. When we are humble, we live as God desires, as best we can. We're, none of us are perfect. We're all going to sin. We're all going to make mistakes, do, say or do things we look back and go, yeah, that was pretty stupid. But when we acknowledge it, we go before the Lord, say, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Have mercy. There is nothing our Lord loves more than forgiving of sins. That's why Jesus came. It's why we have Advent, to prepare for his coming. Because he who is the Lamb of God, who comes to take away the sins of the world, washes us clean by the blood and water which flowed from his side upon the Holy Cross. It was a sin offering, a blood offering, that we participate in at every Mass. When we recognize the gift we have, the gift of the sacraments, the gift of our faith, the faith handed down from the apostles through the ages, not something new and invented in 1960-something, not some pagan religion invented in the heart of Rome where they're enthroning demons, but the faith that Jesus Christ gave us through the apostles. This is a gift. And in humility, it is a gift to be received as it was handed down. Not altered, not changed, not reimagined and reinvented or whatever other buzzword they're going to use. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His teachings are the same yesterday, today, and forever. The deposit of the faith is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it is not possible for any human being to alter one jot or tittle of what our Lord has decreed. Just as the U.S. Supreme Court cannot overturn God's law, not even the Pope can put Jesus Christ back in the grave. 
pray for his soul. He just turned 85, I think. He's in poor health. We don't know how much time he has left. We don't know how much time any of us have left. But he who has given much, much is expected. And I know that clergy, the higher up you go, the more strict of an accounting our Lord will ask. As a priest, much more will be demanded of me than any of you. Archbishop Wester with the local archdiocese, much more will be demanded of him. Cardinal Blaise Subic, much, much more will be demanded of him. But at the top there is only one man. How can you imagine the accounting that a pope must give before Almighty God? What a terrifying thought, even for a holy pope. So I ask you, in the words of our Lord, to pray for the enemies, our enemies. Pray for the enemies of the church. Because we are not perfect ourselves. We are sinners too. But by our prayers and sacrifices, hopefully, they can be turned from the pit of eternal woe. Because that abyss is staring at them and waiting for them just as it stares and waits for anyone who fails to repent. May we, like the simple people who followed John the Baptist in the desert, repent of our sins, acknowledge our dependence on God, and live in accordance with his law as best we can. For heaven belongs to the humble. Heaven belongs to those who acknowledge reality. Heaven belongs to those who serve the King, who are authentic stewards. Put aside all arrogance, all pride, all self-will, and humbly bow before the Lord God Almighty, acknowledging His greatness, acknowledging our weakness, giving thanks for his great goodness, for his great love and mercy, which, go, which are without end.